Welcome to Open Mind GFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas. And uh, if you're watching live on YouTube, you may, may be thinking, you know, where's Martin Willis? It says Martin Willis is going to be on the show and he's not here. So I've got some sad news. He's here. Hello. <laughs> I tricked him. But I don't think I tricked him very effectively because I couldn't help smiling. I should have looked sad, like, I've got some sad news about Martin. I still can't do it. Yeah, you got to work, well, work on that a little bit. That's yeah. all. Yeah. It's kind of like Seinfeld. Did you know Seinfeld always had a smirk on his face? Yeah. Throughout the whole time on the show. Yeah. And I think it's just because he couldn't pull off, you know, he's always on the verge of laughing or something. Yeah. Yeah. I still watch those so, shows. By the way, some people have asked me to do the middle name thing again. So I used to do Martin uh, something or rather Willis, but how about this? Martin Hot Dude Willis. And (laughs) not for necessarily the reason you think. It's because we were talking about how he's hot earlier in that. Whoa. Hot is a term for having you're being, you know, too much light on like the side of my face over here is hot because the sun's coming in. So a a lighting term, another showbiz term. I don't know. Last year or last week, Martin, uh, we're teaching everybody all about show business uh, lately on the show. I had on, uh, of course, Doug as a special as the guest host. And um, Doug was uh, we were talking about, like, be sure to wipe your face and all these things when you do these videos. So it's kind of funny. But we'll get into UFOs. Uh, There is somebody, Indiana, Indiana, who says they're new. Thank you so much for joining Indiana, Indiana. Um, They're very interested in the Zimbabwe aerial school UFO incident. Great case. Um, I would say watch the latest documentary phenomenon uh, if you haven't. And that's like on where was the best place to get that again? iTunes, right? iTunes and Vimeo. Extras. Yeah. Vimeo. If you wanted the extras. Yep. Vimeo or Vimeo. Yeah. Vimeo. So go to Vimeo and get it. And uh, you get all kinds of extra footage and interviews and stuff like that. But that has a great review of Ariel. And then, of course, uh, a friend of ours, um, Nick Randall Nickerson, is making a movie. It should be. Oh, God. I've been trying to talk to him for a while, and he hasn't. Uh, we'll just see. Hopefully. It's perfect yeah, timing mean, to put that out, out right now. I hear that they're really close. So we'll yeah. see. Well, it's been um, in post-production for quite a while. Yeah. Oh, and I think it was Cameron Cashman says Vimeo and iTunes has the extras. I think it was iTunes had them, but Apple TV didn't. And that was the confusion. Um, Another question, this person, Indiana, Indiana, who's new, again, welcome, uh, is really into knowing more about you, Martin. Uh, Martin is a host of podcast UFO. He is a special guest, but that makes him sound more special than he is, perhaps. 
Yeah. He's a very special guy. Mm. No, actually, he is special. It just means that he is the person. Special needs. He's the guy who mostly joins me on Friday to go over this stuff. Um, Sometimes when he's not around, I have some other people like Doug, uh, Douglas Smythe from last week. However, if you want interviews from people who are also special, but maybe have uh, expertise, like the type of person that Martin and I interview on our podcast, um, you'll want to look at the Rojas reports. That's where I do my interviews. And this is kind of just Martin and I or some other special guests going over the UFO news of the week. So we'll talk about that. Um, so there we go. Did you have anything to add in this question from Indiana, uh, Indiana, who's asking, who is Martin Willis? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Well, if you Google Martin Willis and you see anything bad, I'm not that person. Mm. That's all. Okay. That's enough to know. Yeah. Great. Uh, Good to know. There's, there's a lot of Martin Willis's. You, they're right. You're, you're right. The problem is if they do that and they skip the bad news, there might not be much for them to read. <laughs> so what I, <laughs> No, oh, okay. what better is go to Podcast UFO. Yeah. Right. And then you'll get all of Martin's amazing interviews. He's he's or got, if you a great need job. Art appraised or something like that. Yeah. There you go. Somebody in the chat here had a dream about you, Martin. Um Wow. It is a, a man. Um wow. not that there's anything wrong with that. But um, he says, I had a dream last weekend. I don't see anything inappropriate. So let me bring this up, even though I haven't read the whole thing. I had a dream last weekend, and Martin was in it. He left my Super 8 projector in the hallway of an apartment building, and it got stolen. Martin, I think the dream involved me, my beating him up afterwards. Wow. I did wake up the other day feeling extra sore for some reason. My back. Really? You know, yeah. I think someone wailed on me, I think. Huh. Yeah, I think that happened. Yeah. Karen, wow. my SO, fell asleep, I think, last night watching TV or yesterday watching TV, and she was dreaming about a person, and she opened her eyes, and that person was on television. She oh, thinks that on. was really? something she perceived in her dream before she saw this person. I, of course, believe, well, maybe she saw this person when she was halfway asleep on the show before she fell asleep, yeah. but uh, that's kind of some kind of interesting phenomena that may or may not wow. have happened. Wow. Amazing. But thank you for everybody else. Brian, Mike, we have uh, Hector, uh, somebody from Atlanta, Georgia. We have a Hector in here, uh, Cameron, a lot of people joining. Thank you for joining live. If you're able to join live on Facebook or YouTube, if not, that's okay too. I apologize. And I guess I should a little bit of the business up front. I know I'm really scattered. And putting this stuff out, my a lot of my interviews are kind of last minute, even though this show is pretty much the same time every week. I, I usually don't get a whole lot of notice when I go live. Um, so there's two things that you can do. Um, you can push the join button or not the join button, the subscribe button down there. I'm pointing wrong down here somewhere. And uh, subscribe or follow me on Facebook or Open Minds. Um, And then you'll get notified, especially if you hit that little bell down there. Um, You can join also. If you join, you're going to get access to all the archive interviews, including some, you know, big headline people like the guy who ran the Pentagon UFO project, the guy who used to work for the Senate Intelligence Committee who helped make all the Senate Intelligence Committee get interested in this topic, that kind of stuff. Uh, James Fox, who who made that documentary we were just talking about, where we talked more about RUA and the 
aerial encounter that Indiana, Indiana is really uh, interested in. So you'll find all of that if you join on the YouTube page. Otherwise, um, it's just going to have to be this way, guys. You know, I always tr I've tried in the future to be more regimented about it, like Martin Willis is, um, but I, I, there's just so much going on that if I if I did that, I just wouldn't get as much content out. So I, I just want to get the content out as much as possible. I schedule the interviews when the guest is available um, because some of these harder to get ones, you know, you never know when they're going to be available or how much time you're going to have. Sometimes it's, I'm getting these interviews through uh, network television or something. And they're like, Hey, I'll give you 20 minutes at this time. And so I've just got to run with it. And I'd rather do them live. I'd like to do them live where you guys can join and ask questions and everything, which has been a lot of fun. Um, so do put in your comments, ask your questions. We'll kind of get to them. Uh, but we also have, a lot uh, to go over. And Nick here makes a good point. He says, between the two of you, um, who has the most healthy skepticism and who is more likely to give the benefit of the doubt? And it's a great question, I think, because we are pretty skeptical. At least, you know, we take a, a look at this from a more journalistic point of view. And I think Martin and I, we both had a disposition in that we greatly respect the people we interview with, but we're not afraid to disagree with them or at least challenge them to prove what they're saying. Um, although I might be better at that than Martin is. I don't know. What do you think? Or have you, well, do you think you get pretty tough with them sometimes? Well, I did. I did uh, tell someone that I had to hang up on them <laughs> during mm, the show. I haven't done so, that. Yeah. Uh, but that was, uh, that's the only time I ever did that. I have challenged a few people, but you know, I had, like I mentioned here before, Willie Streber on, and, um, there was a lot of things I could have challenged him on and I just let him do a spiel. So there are times when it, I guess it depends on what I'm expecting and what I'm not expecting when I have a guest on, whether I'll mm -hmm. challenge them or not. Gotcha. Um, or, or if someone is going off the rails, I have to, you know. Yeah, I know, unfortunately, yeah. and, and that happens. So that's why if you, Martin's got a bigger breadth of people he interviews, um, I don't anymore. I used to, but now I'm really trying to focus on the very credible, substantiated information, not trying to kind of represent the field as a whole, which is good and bad. It's good because I think you're getting some real juicy information. It's bad in that I'm probably missing out on some exciting new information that might be out there from people that I just don't feel are substantiated yet. But that's why we're a good combination because Martin, I think, is more right now more willing to interview some of the unknowns. And sometimes they're a hit, sometimes they're a miss. Hey, we have someone new. Welcome. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce your name. Uh, Beleza. At oh, from New York City. Oh, yeah. But I mean, someone, I'm new here. So anyway, welcome. Carlos, he said his name is also. Yay, welcome, one. Carlos. Yeah. So uh, let's answer this question. Between the two of us, who is the most healthy skepticism and who is more likely to give the benefit of the doubt? I think I have a good answer. Do you want to answer first, though? No, I don't understand the question. Are you talking about in the field or are you talking about between you and I? I think both. Between the two of us. So let's say we have a guest on and they're kind of fringe. You're kind of wild. Mm. Who of us is more willing to give them a benefit of the doubt? Um, you or I, I have a loaded question. Um, I think that we're a good complimentary uh, in that we both do equally, but not about the same things. 
So sometimes I'm willing to give benefit of the doubt more than you are and vice versa. Sometimes you're like, no, I'm calling BS on this. And, and oh, I'm yeah. like, well, oh, yeah. maybe so, you know, that. Think, we know, we know that I yeah. did that pretty seriously. I've done that to you. You've done ago. that to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I think that, uh, it's hard to say. I, I, I don't know have, that I could call that. I have a problem when I, when, when I catch someone in a lie, I have a problem with that and I will call them out and I have called them out. Um, mm -hmm. when it's an out, out and out lie, um, you know, when someone is telling a story that sounds kind of outrageous, I can't say it's a lie. You know, I, I don't know for sure, but when I know for sure it's a lie, I call them out. Yeah. I think we're way. both in that, but I think that, yeah. Um, let's see. Someone, Brian says you guys are both good. Martin, a little more lenient. Um, it's kind of funny because in the issue, I know you're thinking about where you're really hardcore, <laughs> you were less lenient. Um, but yeah. If, if you guys want to um, chime in on that, you know, do so. Martin is the embodiment of restraint, you know, and I have been going off, I guess. Uh, I, in fact, you know, on a couple of the, I even addressed this the last show, is that some people were complaining that I'm just like complaining about other people too much. I defended myself in that, um, at Astra saying I'm more lenient. I defended myself in that I'm just trying to warn you all that all this BS that's made up and all this fantasy that's created in UFO Twitter and, and, and social media is just complete fantasy. Um, you know, we've had these articles kind of leaked out that these articles with some great information is coming out. The UFO community and UFO Twitter goes crazy with wild speculation that is just complete fantasy, just complete ridiculous fantasy and it complete and it destroys the impact of the article when it comes out at least for it for the people who listen to that sort of thing so my point is don't listen to that stick to the facts from the people who are actually writing the story and then you'll have a better idea of the gist of the story and you won't be disappointed or have false expectations when the story actually comes out now when you say ufo twitter are you talking a general a the general Twitter feed. Uh, no, there is no or general is there a UFO Twitter handle. UFO Twitter. There's a handle UFO Twitter. There is a handle. And I think there's a community of people on Twitter that consider themselves UFO Twitter. In fact, Luis Elizondo just yesterday, he's the guy who ran the Pentagon UFO project uh, called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, also known as ATIP, a pre a uh, follow-up program from the Advanced Aerospace Weapons System Application Program, also known OSAP, which was the original program, Harry Reid, the senator, was able to get $22 million to fund. But um, Luis Elizondo uh, did a little video saying, hey, UFO Twitter, happy holidays, you know, um, see you next year type of thing. Um, so that's an example. He used that term just kind of on this Twitter video because it's, it's just this thing, kind of a community of people mm. out there. How about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was kind of confused when we were talking about something a few weeks back and you kept saying UFO Twitter was bugging you, was really bothering you at the time about about an article. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we'll kind of maybe touch on. No, we probably won't touch on that because it's such old news. But um, let's see. Shawnee is saying, do you guys think that we're spending too much time and effort on the question of UFOs? Do, do UFOs exist? Um, I thought we were well past that point. Uh, what do you think? I have a clear answer for that, but I'll let you 
handle that first? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious they, they exist. So yeah, I would I would think there's maybe a little too much, but I mean, I, I guess um, how I'd answer that is it depends on uh, the platform you are speaking to. Uh, the general public, um, I think, still needs to be convinced. Um, if you're here, you don't have to be. Or if you're looking into the topic, you don't have to be. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, and I would say definitely not. I think we're not past that point at all. Um, you know, if it were well accepted in the, in society, I think that uh, that would be different. Um, but I don't think we're well past that question at all. And that's why that question is so important. Um, and that's, you know, for example, this is a realization that's what's shocking about right now. This is a realization that uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee has come to is that UFOs um, pose a real threat and it's a real phenomenon. And now they're reacting by asking the military intelligence community for more information, um, which has resulted in the creation of the UAP task force. And, um, you know, you were referring to this article from Tim McMillan in the debrief earlier, um, where allegedly the UAP task force has written a couple of reports in the last couple of years that were distributed to the intelligence community and got the intelligence community really excited about the topic also. And it got them also to realize that it is a real phenomena. So um, it, we're a lot closer in the last few weeks even in people having the realization that it's a real phenomena. But um, until that's wider, I think it's really important until we have, you know, m for me, my goal is um, until we have things like, um, you know, scientific institutions, academic institutions um, doing real research in this area, we, you know, we, we won't be there yet. Um, talk about the Roswell story on the History Channel. I will talk about that because I wrote an article on it, and it's one of the topics I do want to talk about. So we'll get there. But I do you want to address – You missed one up above. Um, uh, well, not, I can, yeah. yeah, I don't want to answer all the questions. Um, I just have to say one thing. You, go for I it. have a non-autofocus camera that's going into <laughs> blur right now. So it's going, you've I got mean, it in blur mode. It's weird. You've got an automatic unfocusing camera. Yeah. So no matter where you go, yeah, they're pretty make special. sure you're not in yeah. focus. They're hard to buy, hard to find. Yeah, they are. I keep finding these dang autofocus ones. I can't find an auto unfocus. But a couple, just to kind of overview, there's some questions in here. Um, Dr. Stephen Greer. Um, you know, someone asking about what about these hacks? Does it have anything to do with UFOs? Someone saying, is there going to be a fake rapture? All of those are the type of things we don't really talk about that much because they're just totally, there's absolutely no evidence for any of those things. Although Dr. Stephen Creer does exist, there is evidence of that. But the things that he purports, the wild conspiracy theories, there's just zero evidence. It's just wild conspiracy theory. Um, and we've had that for years. That's going to get you nowhere except for laughed at, but, um, you know, we're working on the actual credible substantiated information that is out there. Um, so Louise Elizondo refused to answer that question. I don't know. I've interviewed Louise Elizondo quite a lot. Um, let's see. And, 
Okay, so that's enough. I don't see any other questions. Feel free, though, Martin, if you see a question in there you want to address. You know, I don't. Well, there is one. The one I did want to address is just one that a lot of people ask when they're new in this. And um, basically, if you I can't find it right now because there's a lot of a lot of posts. But if UFOs do uh, do exist, what do you think they are? Extraterrestrial, et cetera. What is your opinion? And that's I I think that's uh, a question that's asked quite a bit. But I mean, what do you answer that then? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, really I would agree. Know. Unidentified. Yeah. It could be, um, I think in, in many cases, it's misidentified stuff that's ours. Uh, in many, many cases, it's misidentified cosmic phenomena, you know, um, astro- ast- astronomical, uh, you know, meteorites, that sort of thing, um, satellites, that sort of thing. Um, could it be people from elsewhere, civilizations from other countries? I don't know. Something from other dimensions, something from the future. I think a lot of people make great arguments for all of those things. But in science, especially in space science, the answers are often something we completely never even considered or thought of. Yeah. I mean, on the regular basis, if you look at space news, they're like, holy cow, we didn't know this was out there. We didn't know about this. So, you know, um, there's a lot of questions out there. That's true. Yeah. We're not, we may not be asking the right questions. Yeah. You know, there you go. Um, someone says, so if you're new, you don't need, deserve to be answered. I'm not sure why someone would say that. Sometimes people say that, and I don't understand why they say that. I'm just kind of letting you know what we cover here. Um, and if it's really fringy conspiratorial stuff that has no backing, um, sure, we're not going to speak to it. So um, that may not be your cup of tea. Uh, maybe it is, but if you have a, a, a question about a specific incident or a specific issue, or you want to argue, hey, I think this makes this credible, hey, let us know. We'll talk about that. Um, I, there's really We like, we like new you, people. Yeah, we love new people, and if you um, have ever heard any of my interviews, I, I'm never afraid of any question, really. So, um, But let me, let's get to, I guess, some of the news of the week, and not to be, because some people have asked about it um let me cover a couple of the things that i did this week um first of all if you go to um in this youtube channel here i did a rojas reports this week the rojas reports is essentially where i do interviews and i also try to do some presentations and lectures in there and uh what i did this week sort of for the holidays was ets and religion Um, how essentially belief in extraterrestrial life has affected current religions and has inspired new ones. And uh, I also address in there what the um, um, different religions believe about this topic and an actual survey on how the announcement of extraterrestrial life may affect religions and the answers i think will surprise you because a lot of people believe that religions are just going to go nuts everybody's going to go crazy not necessarily that's not what the numbers show out and if you ask everybody are you going to go crazy are you going to doubt your religious beliefs if you find out 
And of course, most of you in here are like, well, I already believe there's probably extraterrestrial life out there. It hasn't affected me. So no, I don't think there's a problem. So, and that's your answer. I think a lot of people do feel that way. So, um, yeah, I think that's over, overhyped that that would happen. Um, you know, because a lot of times um, you hear people will argue, well, there'll never be disclosure because the government's too afraid that it's going to destroy, you know, society and religions and all that. And I, I don't think that's the case at all. And I think that, uh, you know, we're geared to, uh, I mean, if it came out tomorrow that, you know, we have neighbors and we're not alone, I don't think it's going to change much. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it'll just be part of who we are and we'll adjust to it. Yeah, you know, someone in here makes a point that um, about the War of the Worlds radio, um, and a lot of people use that War of the Worlds radio broadcast to say, you know, people would go crazy, but uh, they're making the point that only happened on a small scale. Um, the other issue was the War of the Worlds was about an invasion in progress people yeah. dying and being shot by lasers and essentially the world being taken over so of course people are going to have a, a much different reaction and to that than let's say oh we found a microbe or we found a radio signal or yeah. we found an ancient you know piece of evidence of, of something made from extraterrestrials or let's say some of these materials that uh, scientists like Jacques Vallée or Gary Nolan or the, the um, ATIP people have, and they say, look, we found something that's constructed from elsewhere. We don't, you know, that's, um, I, I don't think that's going to really make people jump off the roof. Of course, I only have a one story house. So I'd probably just break my leg, but I don't well, think. You know, another thing is too, we're with everything that's going on in, in the sky, you know, over and over, um, there hasn't been threats. Um, whatever it is, there's not, you know, there's no threat or, or a consequence to what we're seeing as far as I know, you know, as far as we know. So um, what I'm getting at is uh, I don't think that if, if we are being visited, if that is extraterrestrial, a part of it, or, you know, a, a very small segment or, or just one, that we're being visited by, we're not being harmed. So I don't think that's going to be a big scale. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, as far as we know. Mm -hmm. Of course, if we find out, oh yeah, we we you know the abduction thing is real, and and people are yeah. being taken against their will. That's that's completely different. Um, people yeah. would probably freak out. And missing people. And, but again, even though they freak out, it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to affect their religious beliefs. In fact, in fact, probably the opposite. They'll be flocking to the churches to pray and hope that uh, they can, uh, you know, keep bad stuff from happening. Hmm. But anyway, I think that, uh, you know, the impetus for the creation of that lecture was that uh, I read this book from a guy who um, was a religious uh, um, publicist or publisher. Uh, he published Christian books. And uh, I interviewed a great guy, and I read his book, which was really interesting. And the gist of the book was uh, that he didn't believe in ghosts. His mom said that the house that he grew up in was haunted. The whole family used to make fun of her. His parents pass away. He moves into the, to the family house, and weird stuff starts happening. And he thinks, oh, my gosh, you know, ghosts are real. But am I supposed to believe in ghosts as a good Christian? Is that okay? So – 
the book was his exploration to discover that, yeah, it is okay that their religion is, is very much into ghosts and the possibility and existence of ghosts. Um, he talked to different theos theosophical scholars and um, priests and stuff like that. So it was really interesting. That is interesting. Um, and I think people have the same kind of idea with UFO, with the belief in aliens. They're like, am I supposed to believe in aliens? You know, I'm a Christian. Is that okay? I heard it's not. And so I reviewed this so um, people can feel comfortable that it is okay. Because actually, the only religion I ran across that didn't necessarily believe it were, um, you know, the evangelicals. They really? uh, yeah. they think it's more They're of an angel or demon down. type of thing. Uh you know, there is the demon aspect that you hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, for instance, when we first started, you talked about the aerial uh, school phenomenon, uh, that uh, incident. And uh, the parents of one of, the, uh, one of the witnesses I spoke to said that her parents thought it was demons. You know, and that's a common theme. Mm -hmm. You know, I wonder if it's born out of that type of religion. Yeah. Who knows? Mm. Who knows? So let's see. Um, let's also the next story, unless you had any more comment about that, my good friend. No, I think that's a very interesting topic, though. Here's the next one before we get into some others. The article I wrote about and some people I saw in the chat want to talk about it. Thank you so much for reading it and uh, your interest and uh, this is on Den of Geek. So some of you, uh, those of you who are new don't probably know this, but I write for Den of Geek, a popular sci-fi um, kind of geek culture um, website. And um, I wrote on the History Channel. They have a new show out. Uh, it's essentially a show that's already out, History's Greatest Mysteries. It's hosted by Lawrence Fishburne, and they cover mysteries well they're do, do, doing a three-part series on roswell the first episode is actually already out i think the second episode might come out today um so i did a little write-up on this one of uh and i think you've done something on this too didn't you interview like the cia guy yeah ben ben smith i want to say yeah yeah but so you can tell me about that and what you thought did you watch the first episode also I did. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll talk about what you thought about it. Um, one of the things in my article, I did interview Denise and Ben, and I think that um, there were some interesting they th things they had to say, especially Denise. But um, the, um, the show itself and the promotions really talk about this diary. They make a big deal out of this diary. Um, and allegedly this was a, a diary and there's a little bit of information that's kind of a little, so I, they, they kind of make it sound as though this diary is a new discovery, but Denise told me, and it's in my article, they've had this throughout their, they've this, they didn't recently find it. They've had it for a very long time. They just never thought much about it. And unfortunately, I'm going to be honest. I'm always honest with you guys. This is probably how this happened because I've done Roswell shows. Even recently, I was a consulting producer on a show. And I'm sure the producers were like, do you have anything new? And they're probably like, look, dude, it's been 70 years. What new can we have? Mm -hmm. You know, 
and and give us something new. Show us what you got. And they probably showed him the, the notebook and they said, you know, well, we have this notebook full of jokes and rhymes or, you know, jokes and, and music lyrics and um, quotes. Um, lots of people have notebooks like that where they run across something they like and they write it down. Um, and somehow they made that mysterious. And it's really disappointing that they focus on this diary so much because there is absolutely zero mysterious that they present about it. And I have no hope that they'll find anything mysterious. I think um, that would be ridiculous in that it's notes, you know, on jokes and, and lyrics. I mean, what's so weird about that? Some kind of secret code that is kind of silly to me because if Jesse Marcel and I, don't know if I said this in the first place. I apologize. Jesse Marcel, it's supposedly his notebook. He was the intelligence officer first on the scene to find the, the materials of the alleged Roswell craft. He's the one who took this material back to the base. And upon examination, um, they sent out this press release that it was a flying disc that the Army had found. Um, then, of course, they said it was a weather balloon the next day. Years later, in the late 70s, Jesse Marcel came out, started talking to, um, doing interviews, first with um, Stanton Friedman, saying, no, that wasn't a weather balloon we found, you know, I think that was much more odd, I think it could have been a flying saucer, and started this whole thing, um, and he yeah. spoke for years before he passed away about all, everything he knew or thought about the topic, um, so I don't think there's anything new to discover that way that the kids hadn't been told before, um, of whom I've interviewed. I think you've interviewed them as well. So that part was a bummer. However, the other part that Ben Smith liked was the tech that they were going to apply. And they did apply some tech, um, for instance, they, you know, some magnetometers, um, they're measuring for anomalies in the, the soil, their Through metal drones, detectors. Right? But at a drone, but at yeah. least thus far, they haven't found anything with any of that tech. What I found most interesting about this show is that they do have some really good interviews. Like they are interviewing, probably with the help of Don Schmidt, you know, preeminent Roswell researcher. Um, they have been interviewing some of the witnesses you rarely see. So some of the family beyond just the Marcel family, the people, the grandchildren of Jesse Marcel, you're seeing other family members um, like the um, guy who found the material. They talked to his grandson uh, and about some of the rumors that have been brewed around his grandson. And his grandson, as far as I know, has not done any interviews at all. So this is a first. Um, you also get to see one of the, there was this kid that was there with the farmer when they first found the material. Uh, you get to see an interview with like his family. Um, so I think they had some interesting locals that they talked to. I found that to be the most interesting part of the show. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's actually well done. Don't, don't you think? It's very good mm -hmm. quality. It's a very good yeah. quality, the way they filmed it. And uh, yeah, I agree with I, that. I have not watched the second episode, at, or has the second episode you're saying coming out tonight, or is it the third one? I think the second's today, I thought. Oh, that could be. Yeah, I haven't seen the second or the third, because I don't think the second's out. Hmm. Well, of course, we got screeners. I got a screener, so I was able to watch yeah. it before it came out. But um, yeah, the the... Journal, I mean, 
when you set something up like that, it, it it's just setting up for disappointment. You know, I mean, it went to a, um, you know, an, a forensic investigator that researches documents to, you know, see if it's authentic that it's his. Like it, that would really matter for the content. It it doesn't. You know, I mean, and and because it's only so many pages, so anyone can go through all the pages and see if there's anything that's really interesting in there. And I don't think anything's going to be written in code. Why would it be? Right. Yeah. I totally, totally agree with that. Um, and then as far as your opinions, uh, what else, you know, as far as your interviews and stuff, how did that go? And, and what do you think of the show overall? Well, I, I kind of just said it there. I thought, I thought the show was very good. Uh, was a very good uh, quality. And uh, what you pointed out does, you know, I did, I did catch that, that uh, uh, Brazzles, was it his grandson? Is that who it was? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that part is really good. But, you know, I'm, I'm wondering in the six hours total, what are they going to find um, that's new? That's what you always think of when you think of Roswell. Is there anything mm-hmm. new? And if they're relying just on that journal, then they're going to come up shorthanded. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's other one other thing that I I I asked Ben Smith about the official Roswell reports, which I think are actually a lot more revelatory than most people do. There is some really good arguments in there, and this is my problem with Roswell research: is they kind of say, "Oh, those reports were stupid." And they kind of sweep the mogul explanation under the rug. However, they don't address the very important issues they do need to address. For example, um, those were very large balloons. These weren't mogul wasn't using um, and the mogul balloon. I should explain this, I guess, was uh, a balloon that was used and it had this this uh, radio device on it. They would float it up and it could listen for nuclear testing from the Russians. But this was a top secret project. It was out of the New York University, uh, University of New York. um, And there were students working on this and they were working on the balloon. They didn't know what the project was completely for, though. Only the project head knew that. Um, The claim is that the Air Force is saying that's what. Um, Roger Ramey and that's what the cover up was is to cover up this project and I think there's strong evidence for that um, that we would need to address really um, to say otherwise the other issue is what about these materials the original descriptions that Jesse Marcel gave were very similar to the the Mogul balloon and it was not a normal weather balloon it was actually you remember Martin there's a scientist who talks about this too it was actually a polymer a, a it was a unique material because they were trying different materials to see what could last longer in the sky, including the first mylar stuff like this precursors to nitinol, which is a uh, material you can crumple up and will correct itself. Um, So many scientists argue that, yeah, that material could have had the properties that are described. I think some of these things have to be addressed. They may be addressed in future episodes of um, the show, but I know Ben Smith said he felt that uh, he didn't find their arguments convincing. So hopefully they cover that and he can share with um, viewers why he believes that. Um, That would be really interesting. Um, And then the other thing that Denise told me that I put in this article that I really like is she's, she makes a point and I brought this up too. 
her dad never said he saw alien bodies or her grandfather, excuse me, Jesse Marcella. He saw material. Yeah. Um, never alien bodies. He alien bodies didn't come up until the late eighties. And I have a link to it because I've written about this for Den of Geek. How did Roswell get this alien reputation? I'm glad you brought and, that up. Yeah, it wasn't until the that. late 80s that yeah. um, alleged witnesses started coming forward about alien bodies. Um, so she says, you know, I don't know about that. My grandpa never said anything like that. Um, but she makes this point. It doesn't need to have bodies to be aliens. Um, for example, it could be something ancient that was floating up there in space for a long period of time, just like our Voyager spacecraft is out there flying, you know, all the way outside of the solar system. And maybe it will crash land. And that'd be interesting. If it crash lands on a, you know, occupied planet with another civilization out there. But she made a really good point. I thought that was a great point. That is a, totally possible that it was just kind of this old piece of equipment floating out in space that landed here. That's a possibility. Well, here's the other, the other strange part of Roswell. I'd like to hear your opinion <clears throat> on that because some, uh, sometimes you hear the story that, oh yes, about uh, 30 or 60 miles away, whatever it is, there was another like Volkswagen sized, um, probably the uh, cockpit of the original craft that crashed and that's where the bodies were. I mean, that's kind of the story you hear. Um, what about the, the second crash story when it comes to Roswell? Um, see, here's part of the issues. And and uh, and I was looking right here. Kevin um, Randall, who's on the show, uh, and you can see he's, he's got health issues. Unfortunately, he hasn't been doing a lot of interviews lately. But he has a oh, really great Roswell researcher. Mm -hmm. I would say read a couple other books and then read this one. But he wrote a book, um, Roswell for the 21st Century. And it's really important because he goes over how the credibility of many of these alleged alien witnesses has really been undermined because they've been caught in lies. Um, many of them have. So mm -hmm. this story of a second location, um, there are a couple people that this generates from, both who have essentially been debunked already cotton lies so i don't know i don't feel very strongly for that i know Santon friedman i think felt like there that was the case yeah but um like again that it's extremely shaky it's really dubious and there's no i don't see any strong evidence for that personally and then you um, heard about the story of the geologist uh, college yeah who was totally debunked also um really? yeah all of those stories are just and first of all, they came in, they came after Roswell was huge. Um, mm. So it appears as though, you know, a bunch of people are just trying to get in on the fame and trying to make up stories. Um, the other problem is, and a lot of that is contingent on this idea that the object hit the ground and skipped. And what you're seeing yeah. at the original Roswell location is just where it hit the ground and skipped. Right. But many That's people have not seen. And if you even this show essentially debunks that idea because they demonstrate there's nowhere where there's any massive crash or massive disturbance. In fact, in the show, they did an analysis saying if there was like a, a crash of something going at a speed, the the soil will be affected. It will be heated. And when it cools, 
its properties will change and we'll be able to tell if there is any sort of disturbance like that in the area. And they didn't find anything like that. They didn't find any of the these tranches or um, anything that you would, uh, I think, see or that you would definitely see should have those things have happened. So I don't know, you know, um, it, it's rough. And I know this is one of kind of the pet stories out there, but I think that we have to put all of the, um, you know, all of the facts in play here when we're looking at it. And um, oh, one more, one more question as far mm -hmm. as, as far as all that goes. Um, so, in the 1990s, there, there, uh, uh, Clinton uh, forced like an investigation on the Roswell case. Um, I think it was Clinton, if I have that right. Um, and the Air Force, the topic was brought up about bodies, and the Air Force said, "Oh, that was crash test dummies," instead of just saying no such thing. I mean, I know, it's kind of bizarre. I, I agree with you there. I mean, they were, you know, they were uh, giving this that it could be that there there were crash test dummies that landed in the area. It could be that the stories got mixed up, and people remember that as being at the same time. I yet yeah, the rough part of that is I think they should have maybe interviewed people um, to establish that, but they didn't. Uh, so, uh, while that is suspicious, uh, as to why they would say that, I think it was just a poor, it was a bad idea for them to, to do that. It's not evidence that there were aliens. Yeah. Just because they're wrong about just because they're covering, you know, they're covering it up with another story. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, no, you're right. Story, you're right. Mm-hmm. But again, the original Air Force report does cover that it was a cover-up. I mean, they do cover, you know, honestly that, yes, General Ramey was covering up Mogul. They don't know why, but he was doing it. And there's a supplementary report all about the Mogul balloon and more specifics about it. Um, and uh, that that's really good out there. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it, it's goes into more detail about that cover-up and why there was cover-up. And nobody knows why for sure. General Ramey wasn't told to do that. He took it upon himself to do it. Um, so, yeah, who knows? It's tough. I think there's a lot more to look at here. Um, but Denise Marcel, I don't know what you think. Um, she made the point, you know, some material may come to the surface. There may there, it's, There's still hope that the smoking gun will come out and people will, will yeah. see you know, be able to figure out. You never know. Really I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you think happened at Roswell? Oh man. <laughs> okay. I'm going to answer, but people aren't going to be happy. I'm not convinced. I think that the, the, it's a very strong chance. If you, especially if you disregard the anecdotal information, it's a very strong chance that it was mogul. When you bring in the credible um, anecdotal information, especially something like Jesse Marcel, if you line up what Jesse Marcel said with what the materials that Mogul was made up of, 
it's really similar. He's describing this material you crump up and it can remain in shape, which supposedly this stuff could do. It was the first of its kind, this balloon. Um, you know, the, these, I mean, this is a dead giveaway. I think these things that were I-beams, I've got one at my house. I don't have it here. These I-beams that looked and felt like balsa wood, but had strange writing on them. Um, they were covering material with different stuff and they were using balsa wood with, with uh, tape that had little shapes on them and stuff like that. So, I mean, uh, it really sounds very similar to the materials that were used on this. Um, but so why would they, there's really a tough. couple of questions and, and I'm not disagreeing with you because I no, go I, for it. always questioned this. Disagree but, all you want. No, the, the couple of questions I would have, why would it make sense for the army air force to release a press release saying that they captured a, a flying saucer. It doesn't make sense. I don't know why they released that. And it could be they just genuinely made a mistake. I know that sounds shocking. How can they make a mistake and think this mogul balloon was a flying disc? Were they being funny? Um, I have no idea why. But we don't have, I don't think we have, you know, evidence um, otherwise. And I would love to see some other people you know, I just don't see it. So, um, yeah, one more, I mean, one more question. evidence isn't there. If I were to make yeah. an argument that it was not, I can make a good argument that it was um, a cover-up, but I can't make a good argument that it wasn't the mogul balloon. And that's the direction I'm taking it. The, re the, the um, null hypothesis. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what you do in science is if you believe one thing, try to prove the opposite. Um, mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. you can have a really strong case for mogul, but there isn't a strong case for anything else, um, especially when these witnesses come forward decades after the original event. And memory is really poor when you're an investigator. And this is why law enforcement does this. You have to rely on those ori original notes that were taken at the time of the incident. Because after the time of the incident, your memory is less and less reliable as time goes on. In a very right. short period of time, your memory is highly unreliable. Irre two other, two other uh, questions. One is, um, why would they... If the story was true, many people said, don't ever talk about this. And then second of all, why would the debris be flown to right field if it was just a mogul? Um, two things. First of all, if they genuinely thought it was something strange, it'd be flown to right field to be further examined so they could determine what it was. Um, second of all, uh, um, the... The it's anecdotal. It's information that came decades later that these people were allegedly threatened about this. Was were they really threatened? I don't know. Um, but let's say they were. Well, it was a cover up. There's clearly a cover up of the mogul. They didn't want the Russians to know. We knew. We had a way to monitor their nuclear testing. Um, that was what General Ramey was concerned about. We didn't want the Russians to know that. Um, and as far as we know, the Russians didn't know that. We don't, I don't know. I haven't, you know, I haven't looked into that, but that's what Ramey's concern was. Would they go so far as to threaten people? I don't know. But, you know, even if they were like um, saying, hey, 
uh, see, this is what I knew what happened. People are freaking out. Um, even if they knew, thanks, Martin. Um, now you're going to get me lots of down arrows. Down them. Well, no, no. Um, I think I think this is an interesting topic, and the you know yeah. the thing that I stumble on, the biggest thing I stumble on was the flying saucer report. You and know? if they were uh, um, told sternly, don't talk about this. This is national security. Don't talk about it. You know. These people, the eyewitnesses were children at the time, and you're only talking a couple. Most of this comes secondhand or thirdhand information. This show had grandchildren, grandchildren yeah. who often say, admit they didn't really talk about this incident very much if mm -hmm. to their grandparents. Yeah. Uh, I think even Jim, I think his name is Jim Brazel, said he only talked to his dad, so he never even talked to his grandpa about it. So it's all third-hand information, second-hand information, and that's what makes it really hard. Yeah. So when I know some of you are like, oh, I feel, you know, totally different. Stop. Why are you saying this? It's sacrilege. How dare you? <laughs> but prove it. Go yeah. out there and prove it. I don't know that uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, these Roswell researchers, Don Schmidt, Stanton Friedman, these are people I really, really am, am close to. I really like them a lot. I mean, and I think that their heart's in the right place. Kevin Randall, I think, is an amazing investigator on all of this. I just disagree. And it's unfortunate that I do find uh, agreement with some of the debunkers or skeptics that I don't really like that much. I don't get along with. But uh, unfortunately, they make some really good points. And we have to be honest in trying to analyze. Can I account for, you know, all of these other things? I can't. And um, that's what makes it hard. So you I know, guess what I would say, people, is I'm trying to build the argument that it was something else. And I just don't feel that I can make that argument. Here's here's another puzzling thing about Roswell that is, is probably just minor. But you know how we talked about um, picking up the material and folding it and it popped back to normal. And there were pieces shredded all over the place. If if it was such incredible and he could hit it with a hammer, I think he said something like that. Um, but if it was such incredible material, why did it break apart in a million pieces? See, and that's a really great point, too. I think that's an excellent, excellent point that is made as an argument against it being as mysterious as people say. It broke into tiny pieces. What kind of spacecraft would break into tiny pieces like that? Even our spacecraft wouldn't break up like that. We would have much bigger chunks and everything around. I think that's an excellent argument. Here's the other problem that people aren't realizing. This was 1947. The technology we had was much, much, much different 70 years ago than it is right now. I mean, for goodness sakes, you know, the type of things that we have right here, the type of material that is in this phone if, it, yeah. if they had found this, they would believe it was alien. I mean, you know, my Luke Skywalker, I think, you well, know. The, the UFO behind you floating. Laser pointer. Yeah, UFO look at this lamp. Thing. Yeah. Anti-gravity right there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, I mean, guys, we got to remember the time, 1947. These sort of things would not have been as, as prevalent and, and well-known. Um, someone says uh, how, you know. Those things that they found would not have been mysterious back then. True, uh, or potentially, 
And I would argue no, because I mean, again, this is 1947. The other thing is that, um, um, oh man, I lost my train of, oh, that if you're weighing it up, if you're, if you're doing Occam's razor, you know, is this an extraterrestrial spacecraft, something that, you know, we haven't been able to prove it even in the 70 years is, is out there or is it human, a human mistake of some sort of when they were observing literally technology that had never been used um, on this planet before that mogul balloon was the first of its type ever used. That material was n the first of its type. It was an experimental thing. Um, you know, if you weigh those two, yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Prove it to me. Change my mind. I would love to have my change mind change because I would like to prove otherwise, but we cannot prove right. otherwise. I, I think um, I think this has been interesting talking about it, but we're running out of time. I know you know, I know. that. And we, we wanted to talk to, about Brennan's statement. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that is really interesting. And that's great. And that's the type of thing that's going on right now is that now we have the former CIA director, um, John Brennan, worked um, for uh, Obama for four years. And he's coming out and saying that he finds all of this information about UAP compelling. And he agrees that we should continue to investigate um, the topic. And uh, that's pretty cool. It is. Wow, we covered that quickly. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. The other, uh, there's an article that came out, um, was that just today that was really interesting that said, uh, you know, um, that government officials more and more are talking about UFOs. Yeah. And yeah, senior government officials keep saying that UFOs and aliens are real. And this was in New York Magazine um, via Intelligencer, I guess. And they talk about a couple of things. They talk about um, Harry Reid, of course, talking about this, but they also talk about this Israeli security, uh, senior security guy. Who I am a yeah. Yeah, talking about all this weird stuff. And I mean, guys, again, it was just off the wall, really weird, um, you know, stuff like unfortunately someone in here talking about how he's talked to Pleiadians or something so many people talk allegedly talk to aliens none of it's proven a lot of the things he referenced are debunked you know mythology um he wouldn't be the first government official to fall prey to the internet's conspiracy fantasy junk about ufos and aliens on the internet um in fact and i was there when you know um the when Hellyer, the former secretary yeah. for Canada, mm -hmm. got into this stuff, I knew you were going to say that he read Corso's <laughs> book. Uh, Colonel Corso, who said that he was involved with Roswell and farmed out materials, uh, he said an American general who was a friend of his said there's something to that book that made him start to look into UFOs. I've interviewed him. You have an interview here. Um, it might not be on youtube here but i'll put it in the show notes so later on below here i'll put notes on what we talked about he said he never ran across anything ufo related why he while he was working in his job it was only when he read this book and his general friend told him this then he became really good friends with people in the ufo community 
who are not the type of people who are covering credible information. They're the typical, you know, speculative, fringe, dubious. It was typical UFO mythology trope that he really got into and then started repeating all of that stuff. Unfortunately. So, yeah, unfortunately, that happens. There's another guy, the guy with uh, Skunk Works came out. Same thing, um, you know, showing these alien photos. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, those alien photos turned out to be dolls from Walmart. And he was fooled <laughs> by these pictures. He even claimed he thought maybe these were aliens at Area 51 and they were Walmart Halloween props. So, I mean, this happens. Um, I know Very some people got upset. How could you say that this guy is full of it? Well, he hasn't proven anything. He claims Trump knows this. this somebody in the chat saying he knows Trump talked to Pleiadians, some aliens. Boyd Bushman at Astra says, you're exactly right. Thank you. It's Boyd Bushman who I was just talking about. That's um, right. Oh, yes. Boyd Bushman. Right. Yeah. So, Boyd I mean, it happens, guys. Uh, again, we've just got to wait until, you know, and, and look. Um, these things provide leads, and these are the type of leads that we can go um, run down. The interview with Corbell with the author of the Israeli Scientist is good. Yeah, Corbell, but again, Corbell pushes Lazar. He wrote a documentary about Lazar, and Lazar is another type of character who cannot substantiate anything that he said. Um, and yeah, we can argue that too. People get mad. Boy, I tell you what, if we don't get hate mail from this show, <laughs> we will. Are you kidding? So I guess the point is this, the point is, um, do not write off the work Boyd Bushman did at Lockheed Martin at Astra says you're exactly right. Do not write off the work that Paul Hellyer did as a defense secretary. Do not write off the work that Colonel Corso did um, when he was a colonel in the army, uh, the things he did in World War II. Um, all of that's really important. He worked for, you know, the Wright-Patterson Reverse Engineering Foreign Technology um, Division. So these are the sort of things that they did in an official capacity where we can clearly see what they've done. But when they retire and they start to have these weird, you know, they start to, to believe some of the the theories out there and the mythology out there, um, that's much different than them being able to prove it or substantiate it. And that, that, that's where we are today. We're in an, in an arena in the world today where there is some very juicy stuff we can put our teeth into. The Pentagon did have a UFO program. The Pentagon has released videos that uh, of objects they believe are unidentified. Um, it's funny that some of you are arguing with me about Roswell, and at the same time, you feel that the Navy was fooled by a Batman kid's balloon. Um, and these images that have come out lately, um, one in particular, which is supposedly an unidentified object that many people, um, and a lot of you argue with me in this, that, that believe it's a Batman balloon. Of course, we need to find more about that. But a lot of you, a lot of people are under the impression that, oh, they were fooled by a Batman balloon. So they're fooled by a Batman balloon flying around technology that is cutting edge, using technology that is cutting edge, but they can't be fooled by a balloon or, a, a you know, in 1947, a balloon that nobody's ever seen the material before, it, the classified material 
So actually, I don't think the balloon material was classified, but um, just the purpose of what they were doing. Right. There we go. Wow. Is that everything? We did it. Wow. Whole hour went by. Oh, two more things. John Greenwald, he released uh, some information that's really interesting. You can download in a zip file all of the Stargate files. So this is a remote viewing program um, that Hal Putoff, who is involved with the Pentagon program, uh, first started running in the 1970s. Kind of, anyway, This is a paranormal application of a paranormal phenomena yeah. by the government. Um, John Greedwold put those in a zip that you can all download. That's something new to wow. his website. The mm -hmm. other thing I wanted to share, which you and I talked about, and we'll do this very quickly. Um, let me share the screen so people can look at it. There were these uh, patents that came out that were really weird by this Dr. Salvatore Paiz, who was working for the Navy at the time. He was working at um, the Navy's kind of where they do a lot of their cutting edge work. Um, in how do you say this, Martin? Pax River. Patuxent? I can't, I can't quite see it. I'm sorry. Patuxent, Maryland. But this is at the Naval Air Warfare Center. The thing is, is that, you know, this website, The Drive, um, Tyler Rogaway writes for it. You mostly hear his name, but there's someone fairly new, Brett Tingley, who works with um, Tyler, who is writing articles about all of this now. So they did the research, more research into this. They had talked to some scientists who said that the science in here is just goofy. There's no way. Um, it's too theoretical. So they've been examining, well, why did they get a patent then? Um, apparently, the patent office said, these are too theoretical. You haven't even tested or anything, denied them. But the Navy came in, a Navy lawyer came in and said, yeah, these are legit. And so they were allowed to be patented. Um, so this is what they're trying to figure out is why. Why why did they get a patent if these are so weird? And uh, so they were able to get a few more questions answered, but not a lot. They were able to get more background of how these came about, the work that was done, and essentially, um, one of the things they discovered is a reference to a potentially there was a, um, um, a demo of some sort, but we don't know what the demo was, a dip, because there's a lot of technologies referenced in here. One of the technologies referenced kind of at the heart of all of this is what's called uh, high temperature. Um, um, what is that? Uh, it's very cold. You have to get a superconductor, a high temperature superconductor. Because for a superconductor to work, it's got to be extremely low temperature. Um, so a high temperature one is one that is closer to, uh, you know, room temperature. Uh, so, um, so it's easier to use and we can actually make it feasible. We don't have to spend a bunch of energy to use it. And, then, and what that does is it increases the efficiency of like the flow of energy through things. Um, and so that isn't a, a theoretical thing in here. Maybe they tested that. We don't know. But it's a very interesting article. It's a very interesting topic. Um, why the heck are these files out there? Or, you know, what was going on between behind these? A lot of people argue that if these are real, this would answer what those objects are that the Navy's seeing. However, the Navy has said they're not ours. Um, so yeah. um, that's how it kind of fits into all of this. Really, really interesting. Yeah, plas 
plasma compression diffusion yeah. device. And it, none of this is old news. Um, somebody saying this is old news. No, it's not. It's brand new news. Now, the fact that these patents were out there is old news. We've known that. Yeah, like two now. years ago. We've but heard this about is that. Yeah. Ongoing investigation. And these are their latest findings. And they're um, there's talk about email correspondence. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so you do see yeah. there was some Navy involvement. There was definitely people taking these uh, seriously. And that's what's mysterious to the to the war zone here is why did they take it seriously if most um, scientists are saying it's 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 bunk bunk so who knows hmm. so there you go there's everything guys um, thank you so much um, it's in a way it's a little bit scary disagreeing with everybody because I hope that you know all I'm trying to do is build the best case so we can prove it. This is why Roswell has not been proven. We don't have any of the smoking guns. I'm looking for that just like the rest of you. It would be love great to prove all of this stuff, but we just got to keep finding and keep researching to figure it all out. Um, so I hope it doesn't make you disregard some of the other information in here. And you know what I'm doing is just presenting the information. I'm not trying to. Um, uh, um, so go look at these sources. I, I give you all the links and all the sources so you can go look at this stuff and determine it for yourself. Um, so go take a look. But uh, we always have to be careful. Um, and I, I would argue we always have to try to prove that null hypothesis. Um, and you'll see in my uh, presentation from yesterday on ETs and religion, the scientist, Dr. Ted Peters, um, who's a science religious guy, uh, well-known and respected, he, he, that's what he sought. His null hypothesis was people are going to go, religious institutions are screwed and people's religious um, beliefs are going to be in jeopardy should we find out extraterrestrial civilizations exist. He sought to prove that, to see if whether or not that was true. He felt otherwise. He felt that that's probably not the choice. But what you do is you try to prove the opposite. And, you know, that's what where we are. That's how science works. That's why it's hard. And that's why it takes really rigorous work to get this done. Yeah. Oh, it was a fun show. I had a good time. Good. Thank you very much. You yeah. like it because you didn't jeopardize your show in the process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, thank you all so much. I guess next week is Christmas. I'm going to be pretty busy. I'm sure all of you will. I'm not planning on doing any shows or anything next week um, during the holiday week. What about you, Martin? Are you going to still do a yes, show? I have a, a first time guest. He's never talked about um, UFOs. He's going to be on the show. His name is Jack mm -hmm. Silva. And uh, he has just some theories about um, UFO uh, propulsion, things like that. It, it should be interesting. I looked at it. It's very interesting. And I'm going to give away some podcast UFO T-shirts to callers. Da, 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 da. Neato. Giveaway. That's this Tuesday. Coming up this Tuesday. Where's the best way? Just go to podcastufo.com. That's all it. right. And of course, you'll find all my stuff at openminds.tv or right here on the YouTube channel or my Facebook channel. I would recommend you become a YouTube uh, member also because it's only a couple bucks and um, we can kind of point around. There's some buttons and stuff around here that give you some more info. Yeah. But um, subscribe. Uh, yeah, subscribe because then you can get to all of those archived uh, interviews that are great, including Tim McMillan. I interviewed him about his kind of breaking story from a couple weeks ago and uh, also uh, MJ Benias, who is the editor of the debrief site that released all of that news. So great stuff. Thank you all 
so much. You're so awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been great. Um, and we will talk to you all later. Uh, I've neglected to say lately, thank you to Caleb Hanks, uh, for the open and close music of the podcast. Uh, you won't hear it if you're watching the YouTube, but you'll hear it on the podcast. And, uh, he is the brother of Micah Hanks, who also works on the debrief, uh, writing some great stuff over there. And of course, thank you to Martin of Podcast UFO for joining us. And thank you all for listening or watching. Until next time, adios, adios. mood, chacho. Mood. Mood.